Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are back with a big one. We are tackling Ride the Lightning today, the incredible title track from the mind-blowing second album of the boys Metallica. If you're not familiar with the show, it is myself and a guest from around the world, a fellow Metallica fanatic, just going deep, you know, being critical, analysing, appraising, celebrating... Go back and check out all the other episodes before, you know, we've done more than 100 odd now, lots of top fives and various interviews with, you know, even a parent, even Cliff Burton's dad's been on the show for God's sake, so yeah, go back on there, subscribe, get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com, if you want to come on the show, we are reaching the end of the run, but there's still some spaces available, there's a few big songs, there's a few songs no one's ever heard of, like Metallica's collaboration with Swiss Beats, yeah, that actually did happen in like 2002 or something, so if you want to discuss, we did it again, MetallicaPod at gmail.com, at MetallicaPod as well on Twitter, one of the things that I mainly do on there is ask for your feedback on songs, and I'll be reading out tons of great feedback on Ride the Lightning. Patreon also, you may have noticed that I've started a new video series on the YouTube channel called The So What Files, where I'm going through every single issue of Metallica's very own magazine, So What, of which there's like 97 additions currently and there's more online like it kind of blew my mind there's that many so it's going to take a while so go on there if you support on patreon you get access to those a couple of days before they drop as is episodes like this as an rss feed itunes leave us a review on there as well if you want to give back also we are building up to the Twickenham show. Metallica are going to be in London on June 20th, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be hanging outside the stadium, hopefully meeting a few fellow Alpha Metallica fans. So yeah, if you want to come, join the Facebook page. Uh, find the episode that I uploaded a little while back with some more info on there. But it's very nebulous at the moment. So just message me and I'll let you know where we're hanging out. But uh, yeah, today I am joined by Todd, all the way from San Diego. Todd, how is it going? Ah, it's beautiful, sunny San Diego. It's great to be with you. I love the show, really do. No, thank you very much. And you're you're a radio man, I gather, from your email. Is that right? Uh, television. I television. work for the local uh, CBS station here in oh, San Diego. Yeah. Awesome. What like on camera? No, uh, I'm a producer, the sports producer. So I do the uh, I I help coordinate all the sports coverage there. All right, excellent. And I, we were just mentioning before on email, the Champions League final went down yesterday. <laughs> the biggest game in club football and you're a Liverpool fan but your son's a Tottenham fan is that right yeah my son's a Tottenham fan and uh, you know we're fake fans from sure, way out sure. here my son's gotten really into it and so have I but I do have a, a legitimate uh, English buddy who's from Tottenham ah. and uh, so it was uh, rather devastating for him but we had a great time and ran up a big tab and then he had to pay because that was the bet so <laughs> it was a great day and uh, Metallica, Metallica then like what were the first? Do you remember the first time you ever heard about Metallica? Like the first time you heard the band? Well, I'm a kid of the '80s, so like I, you know, I turned 10 in 1980 and 20 in 1990. So I fully grew yeah. up in the '80s, and I was a metal guy. But oddly enough, I mean, I was a Maiden fan, Priest, you know, Queensrÿche, uh, AC/DC, Ozzy, Dio, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. But for some reason, Metallica flew right by me i just always kind of had a um a misrepresentation that they were just kind of this thrash band i wasn't really interested in that kind of stuff i was kind of more interested in kind of the longer songs you know the kind of the proggy songs and um it wasn't until i kind of became a fan of Ingve malmstein and he kind of blended the the metal with the classical music and i kind of was always fascinated by that and became a big fan of the movie amadeus which is obviously about mozart so when Metallica came out with S&M in 1999, 20 years ago. I thought, whoa, Metallica with a symphony. I said, that that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. And it flattened me. It absolutely flattened me. I had no idea that they had that many great songs. The 
entire set list from that show is just amazing. Uh, it led me to start digging deep into the back catalog, and I just, I just went, oh my God, what have I missed all these years? And uh, so I guess even though I came onto the train a, a little bit late, as far as my age is concerned, you know, I was almost 30 years old. Um, I've just been a massive fan ever since. So yeah, it was really S&M that got me into the band. That's incredible that they just passed you. But I mean, I know bands do that and everyone has their sort of musical I, black holes. I, like. I, I've been rake, I've been racking my brain trying to figure it out. I remember I knew Sanitarium, and I've I've played guitar for like 30, 35 yeah. years, and I know you had to do too. So I remember figuring out Sanitarium on the guitar and thought it was a cool song, but for some weird reason, yeah. it never ever led to me going back and 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 discovering the band. Even though obviously they're one of the biggest bands in the world, mm -hmm. even you know in the eighties and the nineties. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's yeah. it's it's a strange thing. Yeah, I mean, you were you were sixteen then when Master of Puppets came out. You were like the eye of the yeah. storm. You were like the perfect was, demographic. Right? I yeah. know. And I was hanging on every metal album that came out mm -hmm. in, in that in those decades, all the Maiden stuff and Operation Mindcrime oh, yeah. from Queen Track, I think that. came out in eighty six. I all that stuff I was so into. I can't explain it, Tom. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing back then that, that uh, led me astray, but well, I've been I, a big fan ever since. Yeah, the important thing is, you know, you're here now, you're here today, and you know, you, you're really into the like what Metallica as a whole then, holistically, like, are there any periods you prefer, or any albums you don't think are very good or um, yeah, I do love the early stuff, and I do love Load and Reload, and the reason that I do have a, a soft spot, and, and you're going to love this, is because what, what really turned the corner for Metallica for me was when I, when I go through S&M, and I get to Outlaw Torn, I know what you're going to say, and I get to Bleeding Me, uh, those songs, to me, when you add those songs to their catalog with, you know, Creeping Death, and for whom the bell tolls and ride the lightning. When you add the capability to be able to write those two kinds of songs, that is what just sold me on the band. So I really love going through all the way up to load and reload. I'm not one of the guys that, that picks one side or the other. I love mm -hmm. them all. Um, you know, after that, uh, I, I kind of dig Death Magnetic. I wasn't into Sane Anger. Obviously, I just tried to pretend Lulu never happened. Okay. I appreciate your. You're actually going through all those songs. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> and then um, actually Hardwired is now maybe my second or third favorite uh, Metallica album. Okay. I think that album just blew me away. So I I love all the eras. You know, I'm a little soft on, on St. Anger and obviously Lulu, but everything else I just love. So let's get into the song then, Ride the Lightning, one of the band's most celebrated tracks. I mean, that intro to me, it's such an obvious choice to make, but I've never really heard it before in music, having the high up guitar parts, really high up the fretboard, and then some low down hammer blows, you know, cliff down beneath. It's a really powerful combination. It's a really unique opening, isn't it? Well, yeah, and I think that was their their style back then, and, and I feel like they were writing songs to to cater to the live show mm -hmm. and because i i just can't imagine what it must have been like for metallica in 84 85 to go into every club around the world and to have those two albums at your back and know every night you're gonna play creeping death yeah. and for whom the bell tolls and for, and you are just gonna destroy yeah. the room and this is another perfect example of a song that even if you wandered into one of those clubs in 84 and you'd never heard of the band you would walk out of there going oh my god what just happened i just had my face melted and the intro to this song i feel as though they were writing to that experience and it's why those songs are so great live 
and and those up high parts are, nah, 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 nah. I mean a lot of people have made the comparison before I'm not the first to do it kind of reminiscent of like flashes of lightning on the chair oh yeah I never thought of that absolutely yeah they kind of have that sort of hay and, and, and the harmony the, the, the two part harmony stuff too which they were starting to develop around that time uh, mm-hmm. and I think that was probably a Cliff Burton um, influence uh, yeah. you know that that was fantastic too yeah and then going from this intro into the I guess the main riff which you know you're a guitar player you know is one of the simplest Metallica riffs ever just kind of anchored yeah. on that uh, A sharp that da 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 but so compelling i mean iconic almost just really the beating heart of the track yeah and i love the live version where he goes good god you know Mm. that's fantastic that gets you just going so much and and there's a lot of metallica cover bands here in san diego which is phenomenal there are three really good metallica cover bands that i go see regularly at least once every couple months or once a month and uh when they play these songs again it's just such a great live experience and you bang in your head just forgetting everything about the world and it's all about the music and uh and that groove right after the intro is mm-hmm. it just fits in so well mm-hmm. there's i mean there's loads of good riffs here the down 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 that that sort of pulls up on its heels and you know the, the the sound of james as well lest we forget the songwriting is incredibly sophisticated the compositions are otherworldly it's a quantum leap in that realm but you know james is growing as a singer as well but he kind of has that kill em all nature to him i mean this is only i just checked just for went on air this was um ride the lightning is released one year and two days after kill em all yeah which is just and i know uh, yeah that's what it was back then that was what it was back then it was tour and write tour Mm -hmm. and write tour and write so you're always touring and writing especially when you're living hand to mouth and you can barely afford uh you know money for dinner that night or a place to say that's to stay that's all you have to do is is tour and write and plus that's going to lead to your success so uh when you have a dedicated group of guys like them man it's just right 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 and what do you make of his vocals throughout because you know i've said before like on killer morning stuff he's a sounds a bit prepubescent at times and even that open like guilty like it's kind of quite crackly isn't it not not in a bad yeah. way in kind of quite a charming way but he's certainly not the commanding i don't know justice presence that he becomes like yeah it's kind of funny my kids make fun of me because they see videos of me when i was in high school or whatever my voice is a lot higher right. and i think that's just a, a that's just part of of growing from 18 to 30 is that your voice changes a little bit gets a little deeper but um yeah i love it it's a little more higher you know death in the air yeah, he's going yeah, high, you know and uh, so yeah, I like it. I don't mind all the different incarnations of James's voice and all that. So it it fits with the era. So I don't mind it. I love mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in terms of the topping, in terms of the lyrics, like just fantastic opening. Guilty as charged, but damn it, it ain't right. There is someone else controlling me. Like so engrossing. Yeah, and I know he said many times that this is about a guy. I believe he said this that this is about a guy wrongly convicted for a crime. Yeah. Uh, I wish he didn't spell it out. I know he doesn't do that anymore. When people ask him about lyrics, he kind of says, hey, man, it's up to you to to, uh, to interpret this stuff. But back then he was kind of being a little more literal um, because there would be some room for debate here. You know, damn it, it ain't right. There's someone else controlling me. And then at the end, you know, he wakes up from a dream. Well, was it a dream? Mm-hmm. Was he guilty? Was he not? I know he kind of spells it out and says that it's about a guy wrongly convicted. But if he hadn't said that, there would be a lot of room for interpretation here. Yeah, James was interviewed in Rolling Stone and he said, quote, we just got into some social topics. The death penalty was a big question at the time in the electric chair. What if that was you mistakenly? That's what the song was about, being accidentally found guilty and put to death with no way to stop it. And the title itself, I don't know if you're aware of this, is actually taken from a Stephen King novel, The Stand. Yeah, I guess uh, Kirk Hammett was reading it and saw yeah. that and 
brought it into the, I uh, said, God, that'd be a great name for a song, and it ended up being the name of the album, too. Yeah, it's a terrific name, isn't it, for a song on an album? Yeah, and, and they're, they're so cool about coming up with great topics, yeah. too. I mean, this is such a great topic. I mean, if you just go throughout their catalog, I mean, you've got you've got Four Horsemen and Creeping Death come from the Bible. You've got this one about execution. You've mm-hmm. got songs about war with the, one and for whom the bell tolls and suicide. And there's the H.P. Lovecraft yeah, stuff. Yeah, the Cthulhu. Yeah, all the mythos yeah, of that. Mm-hmm. drug drug addiction with master of puppets and sanitarium and i don't know what the thing that should not be it's kind of a freaky horror film vibe yeah. and a lot of songs about self-introspective they've always been so great about coming up with really interesting topics i mean nothing about cruising for chicks nothing yeah, yeah. ever about that <laughs> like they don't touch that topic that was like the zeitgeist at the time and they just completely yeah, sidestep they- it yeah, they hated all those bands, you know, like, you know, Poison and Motley Crue that were going around L.A. in spandex and makeup trying to just get yeah. chicks. So it yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does. And, you know, as, as we push forward, like one of the song's most memorable points is the chorus. Um, burning in my brain. Like it has quite a, and I don't mean it's in a negative way, quite a sing song, almost nursery rhyme quality to it. You know what I mean? It's quite, quite childlike, the melody. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and they weren't big on choruses back then. <laughs> so I feel that they just wanted to keep it short and sweet, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, anything but short and sweet is Kirk's solo, which uh, effectively forms a centerpiece and is kind of one of his real uh, defining early works, I think. I think Ride the Lightning as a whole has some of his ultimate lead work. I was as I was going back through this I was trying to I was going to ask you can you name a better Kirk performance than Ride the Lightning cuz I know there may be some that are as good but this is a really good solo. Yeah, it's an incredible solo. Uh I think tied together as a whole there are others that I do prefer. I prefer the Damage Inc solo just for being a sort of frenzied bit of Mixolydian mayhem. I think the Creeping yeah. Death solo as a just a lead work narratively holds together a little stronger. Uh the Fade to Black outro solo still gives me chills like yeah and i think he uses the same i think he uses a bit of the same exact part in ride the lightning at the end of ride the lightning the same exact uh you know riff as he uses on the end of fade of black i don't know if you've ever noticed yeah that. yeah yeah i know i know the point you're mentioning and um i mean your solo as a whole never gets boring which you know a lot of these longer solos can like uh, another good example maybe be like um pearl jams alive that's a really long solo but that never gets boring that just kind of has great patterning and great section stuff but but yeah i really really love this solo and it does have a lot of self-harmonized sections it stops and funnels down and then ramps back up and it's funny you mentioned Ingve before because i actually had that in my notes like there's a lot of neoclassical stuff in the solo yeah, and I think he was taking lessons from Steve Vai at the time uh, was that he was writing. Joe, Joe he Satriani. Was, was it Satriani? Yeah, I thought I read Vai. Maybe it was Satriani. I think, I th- yeah, I think but- it was. I don't think Vai really gave lessons because Vai got lessons from Satriani. Okay, I got you. Maybe I had that wrong. Yeah, Satriani. I think it was around this time that he was writing all this stuff. So I think those lessons with Satriani was um, encouraging him to try to push this stuff a little further. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, it's basically like two minutes of solo. Like, and there's a lot of longer songs on Ride the Lightning. They're all around this like six and a half minute. Okay, there's a few like Escape and Trapped Under Ice and whatever. I guess Five Five Five. I'm kind of defeating my own argument here. But there are quite a few that are like <laughs> six and a half minutes. Creepy Death is, Fade to Black is, um, you know, Cthulhu is kind of in, in, that, in that area as well. Um, but it's an inter- interesting decision, isn't it? And just before we get into the solo, the kind of dun, da da dun, da da bum, bum, bum. Like, that's progressive. That heralds to me towards like the master and justice ideas the slowing it down the fleshing it out there's a real maturity in the writing 
Yeah, but that's also part of the live experience too, because now the mm-hmm. crowd's going, "Hey, hey, yep, hey!" Yep, yep. You know, it slows down, then it speeds up, and you have a time change actually in the solo too, which that's is right. uh, very unique. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, look, this song's an all-time classic. Everyone listening to that knows this song, and lyrically as well, it just works so so well. Um, you know, and there's the someone help me, oh please God help me. Like the desperation in James's voice is haunting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dave Mustaine is credited with writing on this track. I couldn't find out what exactly he wrote. I would. I, I, did you ever look into that? Or, I uh, yeah, I did not. I just saw he was credited. I think this was the last. Uh, well, Ride the Lightning's the last album he has credits on. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that uh, the after the intro, that groove that you were talking about, that could be a little Mustaine. I don't know. I don't know what part he would have played on. Yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, let us know MetallicaPodigy.com. I'm sure lots of people will know out there as well. But you know. All in all, just a triumph, like an absolutely mind-bending track, uh, you know, a huge achievement for them. And it kind of makes sense they would immortalize this as the title track and, of course, the album artwork as well. Um, they've played it 354 times live, so they debuted it Halloween in Palo Alto, California, 1983. They last played it about three weeks ago in Paris, 2019. I would have thought they would have played it a bit more, you know what I mean? It's not I... necessarily a song they play all the time. I was stunned when I looked that up. They basically played this song as many times as they played King Nothing in concert. That's crazy. And I, I yeah. it's just amazing. And they've played it less than half of Harvester of Sorrow, Last Caress, and Whiplash. I just find that it's amazing. Yeah. They have not played this. In other words, to put things in context, you say 354 times. Mm-hmm. They played Master of Puppets over 1,600 yes. times. <laughs> So, putting that in context, that this is a way underplayed song. I was very surprised. And what would you make of Lars's playing on the track? Uh, I think it's great. Look, I've never understood. I know that when Lars went to record this album, uh, the 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 you know Rasmussen and all his buddies mm-hmm. were stunned at his lack of ability. They really had to kind of teach him how to properly. Uh, be a studio, you know, record a studio album. But I've really never understood uh, the all this criticism that he gets. I think he's a fine. I think he's a fantastic drummer. Yeah. He's perfect for the band. I think this is a good example of uh, of what he contributes to a lot of the songs. I've never really got a lot of the the Lars hate in terms of his playing. No, no, me neither. I mean, I, I don't drum. Like, I have no real idea of that language. But you know, in terms of musicality, in terms of feel, and I think there's a lot of aggression in here. There's a lot of cool feels as well, especially towards the end. And he just enlivens proceedings. You can tell that Fleming was maybe coaching him somewhat through this, and you know, you can hear a lot of growth on his part as well. You can't hear too much of Cliff in the song. I do try and listen out for it like sometimes he really hits through the mix i don't don't know about you did you detect much of his playing here no but you know what i think that's actually part of what made cliff great was that he could take a starring role but then on when he needed to he could just kind of sit in back and just kind of support everybody else uh and i think that's what he's just doing here he's like look this is a great song it's got great riffs i don't need to do anything crazy so i can i can play that uh fill-in role as well Mm -hmm. And as we always do, we reach out to you guys at MetallicaPod on Twitter. Nick just says simply that middle section and does the horns emoji. Uh, Ralph says, fantastic title track of a masterpiece of an album. This is the band 
Dylan's great leap forward from Killamore in every aspect as musicians, and it shows on this song. James's singing voice has matured, and so is his lyric writing, uh, talking about the wrongly accused being unjustly je- executed. Ravel says, thanks, go- thanks goes to Kirk for getting the theme and title from Stephen King's The Stand. Kirk is fully unleashed for the first time, no more following Mustaine's lead, so to speak, and his soloing on this song kicks ass. Lars's drumming is improved through lessons. Cliff is phenomenal. Deep Purple Podcast, who I'll give a big shout-out to, great podcast, say, fantastic track, showing off some of that legacy Mustaine uh, with the new style that they were developing. Tritton says, once the intro punches you in the face, you're on a ride for an epic journey. The middle section followed by Kirk's solo might be my favourite moment in the band's entire discography. It's just so melodic and overwhelming. Great song for sure. John saying gold, one of the many, many Kirk solos that are way better than the Unforgiven. And Empty Eye finally saying so good. Like someone else said, probably the first real sign of the band maturing musically and lyrically from the play fast, rock out philosophy on Kill 'em All. Cliff rocks the hell out of this song, especially live. I mean, you know, it goes without saying, Todd, that, you know, everyone adores Ride the Lightning. Yeah, as well they should. I think it's probably my favorite uh, Metallica album. When you look at the just the monsters that are on here, I mean, uh, even Fight Fire is a great mm-hmm. song. You got this one. You got Bells, which is just ridiculous. Jeez. You got Fade to Black, which which is just an all time classic. Creeping Death, and one of my favorite pieces of music of all time, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, uh, this is a monster album. <laughs> it's an incredible record. Yeah, it's pretty much a masterpiece. Like I don't I don't dislike Escape and Trapped Under Ice. I mean, we've we've covered Escape quite a while ago. Trapped Under Ice is coming up. I don't think they're filler tracks or anything like that but there's just i mean there's so many classics that endear to this day aren't they with metallica fans like you know i'm seeing them in two weeks i expect half of this album to be played at least oh that's awesome yeah that's fantastic uh yeah i would imagine and hopefully they're adding ride back in so they can play that to snm too that would be oh, oh my god i know they've added it back in yeah 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 i mean uh, snm2 uh, you're going right you're going to the first night i am yeah i got tickets. i don't know how i got tickets yeah are you, are you a bot am i talking to a bot I, right now like I know it's crazy. In fact, the, here's the weird thing: is that uh, me and my son—I have a 22-year-old uh, who just gra- graduated college last week—and mm. uh, he was home when tickets went on sale, like 10 a.m. our time. Ah. So we were both sitting there on our computers, 10 a.m., hitting refresh, 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 and we both got tickets. Man. So we have four tickets. We're going with a, with a couple friends, and my wife is going. And then I went on all the forums and all the pages, and it was just a bloodbath out there that nobody had gotten tickets. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it, but we got real lucky, and uh, I'm very excited. What would you like to see that wasn't on the original discs? Uh, yeah, I would love to see everything that was on the original <laughs> show, but if you're going to add something, I would love to see. I mean, Fade to Black seems like oh, if they've they played, got to. Uh, they've got to play. And how can they not play Orion? I mean, that is so yeah. perfect. Yeah, for add that symphonic quality. Mm. Um, I'm a big spit out the bone guy. I mm-hmm. think that would be great. So uh, I'm looking forward to you know whatever they play. I'm gonna be fine with. Um, I'm just gonna enjoy the night and whatever happens happens. Yeah, that's gonna be stupendous. And that that's the initial concert, inaugural concert, isn't it? That's the first thing that's being played at that new center. Yeah, yeah. Then they open up another one. It's kind of funny. I almost would rather be at the second night. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's all fan club people. Not mm-hmm. that. Fans aren't going to be at the first one. Obviously, they're going to be at the first one. But to only have fan club members at the second one, that's going to be pretty special. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned football, soccer before or whatever. But there's always controversy over here with the Premier League because the main seats uh, are always sold to just kind of like, you know, I don't know, bankers and stuff like that. They're not really for the actual fans. And I'm not going to say there's not going to be actual fans at SM. Of course there are. Like, it's not going to be quite that level. But I know what you mean. And again, wonderful that the band would extend that invitation on a second day, realizing what had happened. Like, there's, there's few who would do that. There's a lot of bands like Kiss or whatever who just probably wouldn't give a fuck. Like, 
<laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I thought it was wonderful that they said, look, we know there was a problem with that with the ticket sales, and here's what we're going to do to make it right, and they, they hit a home run. They hit a home run. And just before we move on to the closing questions, any any final points on Ride? Uh, no, I think we covered it. No, I think you did a great job. So uh, first question then, um, your favorite song all time of the band? Oh, geez. Uh, I, I, I think it's... That's an impossible question to answer, <laughs> but I I honestly believe that that Cthulhu off S and M is mm. one of my favorite pieces of music of all time. So I I'm just gonna go with that. I just think it's unbelievable. I think it's a great song. I think the studio version's great. Yeah. I think the live version is great. I'm assuming they're gonna play it at uh, at S and M too. Yeah. So yeah, and so I mean, just coming out of uh, Ecstasy of Gold right into uh, Cthulhu is just phenomenal, and uh, I hope they play it. So I'm gonna go with that. Good answer. Good answer. What, what about album by the band? I'm gonna go ride the lightning. I've, yeah, I, the yeah. more research I've done here, I, I I love this album. It's just got so many monsters on it. Uh, I love almost all their albums, but I'm gonna go ride. Yeah, yeah. And favorite member of the band? I mean, it's got to be James. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's just so cool. If if you ask me what what member would I love to hang out with for a day, I'd probably pick Lars, yeah. just because he seems a lot more fan friendly. He seems like he might actually be into it, meeting somebody <laughs> yeah. and hanging out with them. James would have no interest no, in hanging no, out God, with no. any of us for a day. So, uh, but probably probably James. And uh, seeing them live, um, have you seen them live at all? Yeah, probably seven or eight times. Okay. Um, uh, including the stadium tour here. I saw him in Houston and then here in San Diego. Uh, so, yeah, I have seen him probably ever since about 2000. Pretty much every tour they've come through Southern California I've been to. Uh, what's the best show? Is there any stood out for any reason? Uh, yeah, um, I think it was, it was the summer sanitarium around 2000. It was, it was System of a Down, Corn, oh, yeah, Kid yeah. Rock. And Power Man 5000. Yeah, and Power Man 5000. That's yeah. right. They were there at the LA Coliseum and 110,000 people and the biggest food fight I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> right. In between sets, they got bored and it was a 110,000 yeah. person food fight. Christ. It was phenomenal. So I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> and uh, final question. If you were to start a podcast like this about a band you love, what's a band you'd like to cover? Uh, I'm a, also a massive Muse fan. Okay. Uh, and I know they just played in London last they night. They did. Uh, uh, Tom Morello supported. Yeah. I saw on Instagram. It looked incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, But you know what? I'm a, a giant Volbeat fan. So uh, I think I counted it out. And I, I really, really like, I think it was 50 Volbeat songs. Mm. So that they're right up there for me with Metallica and the number of songs I really like. So I would, uh, a Volbeat podcast. There is no Volbeat yeah. podcast. There, no, I can't imagine. No, but, but uh, did, you, did you see Volbeat support Metallica? I did, yeah. Oh, That's man. the show I saw in, in Houston, which here's what's amazing about that show. Three of my favorite bands, obviously Metallica, but Volbeat and Avenged Sevenfold yeah. is one of my all-time favorite bands. So to have cool. all three of them in Houston uh, was just amazing. Volbeat got subbed out here in San Diego, which I was bummed for, bummed about, but at least I got to see all three of those guys. In, and, uh, uh, in... and Mixmaster Mike, was he there? Oh, I hated that. Oh, <laughs> Everyone seemed I to hate that guy. Punch that guy. With all due respect... <laughs> yeah. For the love of God, don't mess with these songs. Right, it's you right. know you're they're playing a great song and then he stops, starts and plays another song and yeah. wiki wiki. It's just I oh, wanted to jump yeah. on stage and tackle him and yeah. I, you know I, between the two concerts, I, he probably because he comes on in between every band. Okay, so I saw him like ten times. <laughs> you know between the two shows, it was just ah not a fan. <laughs> well, um, 
As always, guys, follow us at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to come on and discuss a song. We've got a good selection of songs coming up that I've already got guests for. Um, what do we have? We've got, uh, where are we? We've got Ronnie coming out on Thursday. I already recorded that one. Then Ronnie Rising Medley. Then Sabracadabra, which was recorded earlier. Then Sab But True. Then Seek and Destroy. So it's going to be fun a few weeks. Patreon is there. If you enjoy the show, you want to get back to the show, you want to get access to episodes like this, you know, week, two weeks before they drop on YouTube, on iTunes, all that sort of stuff. Support us on iTunes. Leave a review. You know, all the stuff that I always talk about at the start and the end of every episode. But, uh, Todd, is there anything you'd like to promote yourself? Um, yeah, and the only reason I bring this up is because you may get a kick out of it. I also do have a podcast. We only have, like, 13 episodes, but I have a buddy okay. of mine, Mitch, uh, that uh, lives in the Bay Area. And, and we've been friends for, like, 35 years, and our musical interests kind of intersect, but then they space out. I go off to, like, Metallica and Maiden and ACDC and Volbeat. He goes over to, like, Prince and Curtis Mayfield sure. and TV on the radio. So we kind of use the podcast as a way to introduce each other to the bands that we like via one of the songs. And you're going to love this. The song I picked, we do have a Metallica episode. The song I picked to introduce him to Metallica has never listened to Metallica before was Outlaw Torn. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> and I know you love that, but again, yeah. it goes back to the whole reason why he knows that Metallica is a thrash band. Here's a different side, and hopefully, it leads him into to listening to more of this music. But uh, we're Song Voyage. It's it's spelled like Voyage Song Voyage. Okay. I don't know why we decided to pronounce it like that, but yeah. at Song Voyage on Twitter, songvoyage.net on uh, on the internet, and you can find our episodes. All right, Song Voyage. Yeah, we'll put the link down below. Yeah, I've just found it. A South, Southern California TV producer and a Bay Area political activist battle it out over their favorite music. Awesome. So you probably <laughs> muse. Oh, television. Nice. Yeah. There's Springsteen. Yeah, there's Metal. Oh, Prince. The Ballad of Dorothy Parker. Love that song. Uh, Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Okay, cool. Yeah, so guys, go and check this episode out. Uh, check the podcast out as well, I should say. We'll put the link down below. Um, all the things mentioned. Let us know what you think about this song. And Todd, this has been great. Thank you again. All right, Tom. I appreciate it. Thank you. 